0: Not only is it so difficult to spot the thing that you're trying to see through the binoculars because suddenly your point of view is so small, but when you look through the binoculars and you finally see that thing, if it even remotely moves, it's hard to like like keep up. So it's a horrible way to see somebody from a distance with binoculars. You know what you actually have to do? You actually have to get close. Proximity is going to be the key to actually seeing them because once you're close, you don't have to see binoculars anymore and they can move quickly and you can still see everything Everything about them, right?
1: Welcome to the Habit Podcast, conversations with writers about writing. I'm Jonathan Rogers, your host. Carlos Whitaker is committed to creating spaces online and in person where people are safe to engage in conversation about the topics that matter most but are often avoided. He's a speaker, he's the host of the podcast, Human Hope with Carlos Whitaker, and he is the cultivator and nurturer of a huge and engaged Instagram community he calls his InstaFamilia. He's just released a book called How to Human, Three Ways to Share Life Beyond What Distracts, Divides, and Disconnects
0: Us. Carlos Whitaker, I'm so glad to have you on the Habit Podcast today. Thanks for making time for me. Uh, Thanks for having me, Jonathan. So good to see your face again. (laughs) That's right. Uh, yeah, you and I just uh, met this morning, but we
1: actually met in person because I happened to be recording at a friend's house right around the corner from your house. Uh, Yes.
0: And I, and I happened to be sitting on the porch, uh, and having my morning coffee and (laughs) we, and we met face to face. It was so funny. I I just keep laughing about it. I think that was hilarious.
1: Well, and of course, I and I knew it was your house because you had posted a picture of your your uh, Christmas decorations. I'm like I recognize those Christmas decorations. That's
0: right. That's right. You got it, man. <laughs> so Nobody, well, kn- you know, what's funny is it is actually on Google Maps. If you search for my home, put my address in the the Google Maps car that takes photos of your of the street view drove yeah. by my house last year at Christmas time. <laughs> so my my house <laughs> always has all my inflatables up in in Google. It's great. That is hilarious.
1: All right. So you have a new book out. <clears throat> the title yep. is How to Human. Not How to Be Human, but How to Human. We can talk yes, about that. Yes. That uh, choice of diction, perhaps. Yes. Uh, yes. And uh, and you help me out with the subtitle, because it's a, kind of a long subtitle.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how to Human. Three ways to share life beyond what distracts, divides, and disconnects us.
1: Right. Um, there it is. So. How would you summarize the the message of this book? You know, uh, yeah. what are you what are you hoping readers will take away
0: from the book? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I um, th- this is a different book than I've ever written before. So you know, this is my this is my fifth book, and um, this one I I'm I'm touching on maybe parts of the human condition that you know I feel like I'm gifted to touch without people being as triggered if maybe somebody else were to touch that huh. part of their heart. okay. Um, I I feel like I um and the reason I wrote it, it is because I feel like I'm in a season where people uh, with various view, viewpoints on uh you know, hard hard things that mm-hmm. that we've gone through the last three years, um, maybe have have seen some relationships disintegrate, yeah. um, relationships that were never built on these issues, but suddenly disim- disin- disintegrated because of certain issues, mm-hmm. and I, I just I just felt like as I as I looked around in 2022 that we'd been knocked off course just a degree or two, um, mm-hmm. as far as humanity, like like we've forgotten that we can actually not only be able to stand somebody that doesn't think like us or vote like us or whatever, but we can actually be in like, true life-giving relationship with people that that may view the world differently than we do and uh so hence the title how to human uh just reminding us again like how it is we get back to um being human again uh towards each other and of course the human condition isn't perfect right there's there's it's messy there's pain there's trauma uh but i think if we intentionally apply a few of these principles that i speak about in the book i feel like our own small circles and our own small smaller worlds will uh will heal and that's really what everybody's looking for
1: yeah yeah the the, of course you know we're uh we're we're fallen right it's 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 there are difficulties in, in being a human being, but it doesn't have, it doesn't have to be as hard as it's been.
0: <laughs> right. No, it doesn't. You know, like it, it, um, I mean, you just look back through, you know, people are always like, I hear people say all the time, Oh my gosh, it's things are getting, things are bad and they're just getting worse. It's never been this bad. And I'm like, I mean, have you read the history books? <laughs> like, 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 can I, can I remind you that humanity has been bad before and it will yeah, be right. bad again. And so what <laughs> we we can do this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So a a really important theme in your book
1: is the idea of seeing like we have this habit of seeing what we expect to see instead of seeing what's actually in front of us. Right. Mm, And it seems like here uh, to to an exaggerated degree lately, what we expect to see from people that we disagree with is even worse than what, you know is true about about those people. We, we've somehow gotten out of the habit of giving people the benefit of the doubt. If we ever were in the habit, it seems like we're less in the habit than than we I I, I hear you when when you say we um it's naive to suggest that you know things have never been this bad. And you know still there are some unique ways that, that we've gotten out of the habit of giving people the benefit of the doubt when we disagree with them. Um, so I'd love to to hear you talk about a little bit this idea of you—you you encourage people to actually see and not yes. to decide ahead of time what I'm going to see. Yes. Right? I, I know even when I look at something online, I'm—I'm I'm, I'm admitting a, a terrible habit, and that is, I instead of judging a statement on its face, I say, "Do I agree? Or, do I already agree or disagree with the person who made this statement?" Mm, yeah. So anyway, the floor is open. I'm sorry, that was more of an introduction. Yeah. Than me to give you. Here you
0: go. No, no, that you know, that Had a lot of thinking about this. That that that's great. You know, I. It it is it, it's hard to see past, um. Our opinion on the statement on whatever it is the point of view is. I understand that. Like, I'm not pretending that that's not difficult for all of us, myself included. I have very strong convictions about things that I think are very important. And, uh, it is, it is equally as difficult for the guy that wrote how to human, um, to come into conversation or to see somebody, uh, I've got to put my money where my mouth is to see somebody that may vehemently disagree with my point of view. And the, I think the first, the first thing that I would say with this is most of the time we're seeing these people from a distance. Mm -hmm. And if there is one thing, just one thing that I could tell anyone listening to your podcast right now to do to break the habit of seeing somebody from a distance. And then all you'd see when you see from a distance, uh, I mean, think about it. You see somebody from a distance and you just uh, you see kind of a blurry image of who they are. You see um, maybe you can kind of see the color uh, that they're wearing, but you definitely can't see the intricacies of who they are. Um, I would say not the first thing we would want to do is to pull out our binoculars, right? That 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 That's what we do. It's like, oh, you know what? I'm going to pull out my binoculars, Carlos, and then I'm going to see them. So we pull out our binoculars. And guess what? When you look through binoculars, I mean, if, if you've ever gone on a game drive or something, not only is it so difficult to spot the thing that you're trying to see through the binoculars because suddenly your point of view is so small, but when you look through the binoculars and you finally see that thing, if it even remotely moves it's hard to like like keep up. Yeah. So it's a horrible way to see somebody from a distance with binoculars. You know what you actually have yeah. to do? You actually have to get close. Proximity is going to be the key to actually seeing them because once you're close, you don't have to see binoculars anymore and they can move quickly and you can still see everything, <laughs> everything about them. Right. And, Man, so, and
1: I, that is so good. I love that. The the difference you. between looking at somebody through binoculars and yeah. actually getting closer.
0: You know, I'll, I'll tell you this, Jonathan, if it wasn't for your question, I've never actually said that in my life. And I, I've never actually thought of that until you said that, but I thought, well, what would it look like? I mean, literally, as I was just talking, you yeah. just came up with that right now. Like, but it's so true, right? Like, I just think mm-hmm. Well, I've lo- I've looked if I go deer hunting or if I'm you know whatever and I'm looking through the binoculars it's so easy to lose them like yeah you yeah. can see them clearly for a second but if they move at all and so get close proximity really helps you because when you're close to somebody now you can see their eyes now yeah. you can see that wow guess what when they're talking about this they're tearing up that means that there must be some pain associated with their point of view there must be something true that has happened to them that that has pressed them towards believing this so you may not agree with their point of view by the end of the conversation, but you can definitely empathize a lot better when you get up close.
1: Yeah, that's great. So speaking of getting up close and seeing what you see instead of what you think you're going to see, man, I love the story in your book about your neighbor, James.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Would you tell that story? Absolutely. You drove right by his house. That's Um, right. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. Um, 2020 was a really difficult year for me as I was using my platform to teach on, you know, all things like reconciliation, racial reconciliation, racism in general, Mm -hmm. racial bias. So here I am every day talking about that on my platform and doing it in what I feel like is a very safe, grace-filled way. Um, but and it's still it's still triggering for a lot of people, obviously, and and so here I am every day, just kind of wounded by it. And then it's like all these riots are happening around the country. Mm-hmm. I, I am just it's 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 hard down here in Nashville, Tennessee, for me. And um, sure enough, like I've, I live in a great neighborhood. Um, all my neighbors I've become friends with. I've lived here about six, seven years. But there is this one neighbor across the street from me, kind of catty from my house, that I had tried for years. To smile at him, wave at him. I mean, we had been like eight feet apart from each other, mowing our grass. And I'll like, look at him, wave. And that man just would not give me the time of day. And let me tell you where my, as a, as a black man living in Nashville, Tennessee, where my heart went to immediately. So, you know, I need your listeners to hang on for the end of the story because (laughs) the beginning of the story may be triggering, but, but this, this was an older white gentleman, uh, probably 70 years old. And he had this big American flag draped from his door and, I immediately assumed that this man didn't like me because I was black. Now, now let me, for those that are still here, um, <laughs> um, explain this. Like, like I love America. I love the flag. I am the son of a first generation immigrant. This country has given my family everything, but the 11 or 12 times that I've been called the N word in Nashville or middle Tennessee, whether it be fly fishing at the Caney Fork or whatever. It's the, every single time has been, and it's been 11 times. I, I trust me. I remember all of them. It's been by an older white gentleman with an American flag, either on their torso or on their truck. And so what, what did that do? It did the exact same thing. I was trying, I've been trying to teach my platform. It created a racial bias yeah. inside of me towards older white men with flat American flags near them. And so I just, because of my bias which was created by true circumstances okay um so all of us all of our biases are created by truth in some way shape or form my bias was he didn't like me because what i looked like so all that to say to lead to um the fun part of the story is i was i can't remember what i was doing i was in my yard for something and i see this you know crotchety old white man come out to his front yard with a paint bucket in his hand and he had these two porcelain bunnies uh in his front yard and I'll, d- I'll never forget. He kneels down in front of the, w- the two bunnies and he dips his paintbrush in the can and he starts to paint one of the bunnies black. And I remember thinking like, okay, that's kind of weird. Like, why is he doing that? Is it like paint your bunny black day for like veterans or something? I don't know. And sure enough, he 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 paints one of them black. He puts the cap back on the paint bucket and he walks back into his home. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? That's weird. So I walked in my house and I was like, babe, do you know? why that old man across the street that doesn't like me would have painted one, a bunny black. And he goes, she goes, well, why don't you walk across the street and ask him (laughs) Now here? I am talking about seeing people up close, right? Not looking at people through binoculars. I'd been, I I realized in that moment, I'd been looking at this man through a binocular the whole time. I'd never gone up close. So the next day when I see him out, he was getting his mail. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to do this. I realize i've never actually walked across the street so i start recording on my phone because this is 2020 and as a black guy like i'm just always recording any interaction that i thought maybe could lead to uh something bad so i'm recording just kind of recording my feet as i'm walking across the street and i walk i'm like oh, excuse me sir hi my name's carlos i live across the street as if he didn't know um yeah, right. and uh, he goes suddenly A smile as big as the state of Texas spread across this man's face. He goes, hi, Carlos, my name's James. I've only lived here since 1960 something or whatever. And I was like, my jaw dropped that he had smiled and was so kind. And immediately, right. Immediately my bias was disintegrating before my eyes. And he starts, you know, we start chatting for a second. And I said, can you tell me why you painted that bunny black? And he said, oh, Carlos, with everything that's going on with race in America, um and all the conversations that are happening this was my way of saying that your life matters this was my way of you know i i I know i maybe could have done something bigger or louder but i felt like this was just appropriate for me to paint one bunny black and one bunny white when i was growing up here in nashville my parents hired a servant and she was a black woman and she taught me how to read. She taught me how to write. She taught me how to brush my teeth. She taught me everything. And I can't imagine anyone looking at her any different than me. So I just thought this was something I could do. And I can I tell you something, Jonathan? My jaw was hanging on the floor, and it immediately showed me what happens when you get close, when yeah. you get close when you, when proximity is the thing to see somebody. And now James and I, man, we're the best of friends. We talk all the time. We're hanging out. I think he just wanted to live his best retired life and poor Carlos or poor James is Carlos intruding on his life now. And (laughs) he's on my Insta stories and you know, it's, it's pretty cool, but that that's something that's a story on how to see somebody and what really happened when I got close.
1: Yeah. Right. You had your idea in your head, what you had the story, right? Yep. And that story got Uh, altered if not blown up by yeah Yeah. by actually seeing what was in front of you i love it um now although there was there was one little detail about about that story that if you don't mind i'd like to talk about a little bit and that is there were people on your in in your online world who took that who who thought the main message of that story is see black folks are prejudiced too yeah, black folks yep. are racist too, and therefore now I don't have to rethink yep. anything. I yep. uh, so tell me about that because that yeah, would,
0: yeah, that would yeah,
1: be well, frustrating, right? This this is a story that you feel like has a pretty clear message, yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. and yet people there's there's a, there's such thing as willful misunderstanding.
0: Yes, yes, and there's and, a whole and, lot of it going on. And you know, um, I, I mean, I had to get I had to get on Instagram the next day and literally like address that because people you know th- that story had been shared by a bunch of really large instagram accounts had gone viral um and people were using it to, to literally say look black people are racist too mm-hmm. um and i was like wait uh, how can you really truly misunderstand the point of what this is and um you know the, the, the again i wrote i wrote this book so i i have to try to figure it out as much as i can um and walk the walk as much as i talk the talk so to those people i would i would constantly send them video messages um even followers of mine say hey actually like like the this the point of this isn't for you to un to stop trying to understand racism the point of this isn't for you to be like oh you know it's not a problem for just white people it's a problem for black people too like It's still a bigger problem for black people in America, but what I'm trying to do is go first. And and I just tried to go first so that you can see, wow, if Carlos can do this, I can do this too. So the point isn't, to not do something the point is actually to be pulled to actually do something and walk up to that person that you may completely vehemently disagree with and just get close. And so, yeah, you know, there's always going to be people that take your message and um and take it in a different direction um but you know, I I use that story in every talk the corporate talk that I do as I'm traveling around America. I use it and it's it is powerful, you know, yeah. for everybody in the room uh to yeah. see that I went first. And if I can do it, if I can face my bias, you can too. I <laughs> love it. Yeah. Um, okay. you. Okay,
1: let's talk about the role of of courage in the life of somebody who does creative work, right? So mm-hmm. your you're main creative, you, you correct me if I'm wrong, you mentioned that you've written five books, but I still yeah. think of you as, as, as Instagram as being your main creative the, the content you're creating is that
0: every day i mean i mean that that's what i'm doing every day yes i've written five yeah. books and i do that in chunks in seasons but i spend yeah. the majority of my time creating content for instagram
1: yeah yeah and so as you said you you have a gift for uh, being winsome in your in your uh approach to uh you know the way you talk about uh issues but when uh in 2020, I guess it's 2020 when Amar Arbery yes, yes. got killed. And you um you made a, a video that was maybe a little more direct than than usual. Yeah. And um and you knew that was a risk. Yeah. To to post that. Yeah. Um and as it turns out it was a it it was as it was indeed as a bigger risk <laughs> as you thought it was gonna be, right? You I, lost I, it was. Over the course of a few days, you lost eleven thousand
0: of your yeah, 30, and I followers. yeah, and I only had thirty thousand followers, so I lost a third of what I'd been building for seven years. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um. So you knew there was a cost. Yep. You knew there was going to be a cost. You decided to pay the cost anyway. Yeah. Can you talk to me about that?
0: Yeah, you know, uh, I, I think every all of your listeners that are listening to this that are creatives or authors or writers or or content creators, whatever it may be, um they have the conversation in their head when when something uh happens in America, mm-hmm. um if if they're in America, uh when something happens in their community that is controversial, um we all have the conversation in our head of like, well, do I talk about this or do I not talk about this? And 99 times out of a hundred, myself included, we're like, I'm not going to talk about this. And why, why would we do that? Well, because a, we don't want to be misunderstood, Uh, even though we may think it's very important. It's, it's very hard to be, to be clearly understood in the communication vessels that we have these days. But Mm -hmm. I, I, I just felt like, um, this was a season in my life where, um, I needed to talk about this as a black guy living in the South and, um and so i did and and so i made a video i can't remember what it was called it was like what my black friends or what my white friends can do for the black community right now or something it was and it was literally bro it was like the softest most vanilla kindest video i mean i i just it was the most pillow landing of a of a video i've ever done okay and but i did talk about it i talked about a mod i talked about um what i was feeling i was talking about experiences i had woke up the next day after i posted the video cuz again my content at that point was either uh deeply faith based about you know kind of how you can you know work on your spiritual life or it was like about the birds in my backyard like it was yeah. it was it was just nothing controversial so i talk about it and i remember being nervous about posting it but feeling the conviction like i need to, I, I felt it in my ethos like this is coming yeah. from deep within i posted it woke up the next morning had lost thousands and thousands of followers and not only had I lost them, but they let me know in my yeah. DMS why they were leaving very hurtful day. And I'll be honest with you. I, I did what, what what every creative that I know probably would have thought about doing. I opened the post up and I hit delete mm-hmm. and, uh, and I thought, okay, well, this is, I just, Nope, apparently this is a bad idea. This is my, my whole career in front of me. Like I can't do this. Mm-hmm. So I hit delete. And, another pop-up window popped up on Instagram It was so funny. I don't know if I've ever seen this window pop up and it said, are you sure? And I just felt like that. I mean, if there was ever a spiritual moment in my life where I was reminded by something greater than me that maybe I don't need to delete this, that was it. And so I said, no. And I clicked no. And I left the video up and I, people continued to unfollow me. And there was a risk into speaking my truth out into you know the atmosphere. There there was a big risk, and guess what? the the risk ha- the, I mean like like everything I was scared of actually happened. Like like it was actually mm-hmm. my fears came true. Right <laughs> there was there was you know not I, I lost things. My wife and I. I mean I started literally looking like well I wonder what else I can do with my life because nobody's ever going to read my books anymore. Nobody's ever going to. And I spent a couple days sulking, um, until I was like, wait a second. Is that the last video you're ever going to post? No, like, like you, there were, there were, if you read the comments, Carlos, there were people that were deeply impacted in a good way by this. Yeah. Keep talking to them. Yeah. So hey, I think it was
1: impacted in a good way by it. Maybe some of the people who left.
0: Well, uh, there's a story for that one too. Yes. Um, because the people that left, as I began to continue to create content, helping people with this, um, my following began to grow. And uh, suddenly I got my, I was back at 30,000 followers. And I was like, oh my gosh. Uh. And literally this was only a couple weeks later. I'm like, it took me seven freaking years to build 30,000 followers. And now I got 10,000 back or 20, whatever in, in a week. And then it was 50, then it was 70. Mm-hmm. And then I started seeing the exact same people that left coming back. And he, here's the thing that, that I learned from that is, is the as a human condition, we have to know that there's going to be some people that aren't ready mm-hmm. to hear what we have to hear. And if they're not ready, we can't like that should not offend us. Mm-hmm. Um because I'm not ready to hear some things that I need to hear. And so some people are going to need to stop reading your writing for a little bit. Some people mm-hmm. are going to need to stop watching the videos that you create. Some people are going to need a little bit of a break from you and then maybe they're going to grow and get to the place where they can be able to hear it again and that's what ended up happening and i'm not going to say everybody that left came back sure. but a lot of people that left came back and just as they let me know that they left they let me know that they came back oh, and that's- that that's the fruit of the work that that's where i'm like I, I mean i would never have gotten to feel what it felt like for somebody to come back and let me know why had I never let them leave in the first place. And so, you know, as creatives, man, we are emotional um, (laughs) words of affirmation people. And that's a hard thing to do, but I I promise you, it's one of the greatest things you can do is be true to what you're called to write and to create, even if some people aren't ready for it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I feel like we also have to say, the moral of the story is not, if you take the risk and people go away, they'll eventually come back. (laughs) That's what happened in your story. And I'm glad that happened in your story, but we still have to take the risk, even if it means people go away and they don't come back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to take that risk. You know, I, um, I just had a friend of mine post something on Instagram. Um, let me see if I can find it while we're talking. And, and he, he, he talked about how, um, he's a creative, you know, he, he's an author. He's a, um, He's somebody that makes videos his name is mike foster you can follow him at mike foster 2000 and he put something up i can't find it right now but he put something up where it was a real saying hey guys i i, I need to admit something to you he does these workshops where you know people fly to san diego and he he sits with like 20 people in his living room and changes their life he's amazing <laughs> he's like um i i just had to cancel my strongest marriage workshop because after promoting it for six weeks only one person signed up and I'm embarrassed, hmm. but I'm actually telling you this because I feel like this is more the reality than all the success stories that we read. Yeah. You need to know that me, who, who has a career, full-time life coaching people, it's a very successful career. I had I'd I'd planned all the meals, all the activities, and out of the 20 slots, only one person signed up, and I'm embarrassed. And I almost wanted to take all the posts down because I didn't want anyone to know, but I need you to know – that it's still worth the risk. And I'm going to risk again, launching another one, even though no one showed up to this one. And so, you know, he, he posts that. And I just think of all the times that you're saying exactly what you're saying. We're going to risk some things. And guess what? Maybe nobody, maybe, maybe nobody agrees. Maybe nobody shows up Uh, that, that is the risk in being a creative, in being an author, in being, you know, all the things that you may post something that an Instagram post, where you poured your heart out, And, and nobody, nobody likes it. Nobody comments, but then you post a meme of something stupid and it gets shared 7,000 times, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, So, so yeah, you know, people may, may leave and never come back.
1: Um, I'm sorry. That's the
0: walk. Yeah. But that's the walk we got to walk. Yeah.
1: You know, another thing, and and I find this very, I, I take great comfort or hope or something from this. The fact that, um, the the kind of response i get from something i put out in the world there's not a one-to-one re- relationship between how much effort i put into it or how awesome yeah. i thought it was going to be like you know something i thought was sort of a i dashed off quickly yeah. turns out it was meeting people where where they were yes. and I, I you know get good feedback from that whereas something i thought okay now the world is going to be changed by this thing i just yeah, i just right. wrote it you know and it it doesn't and, and it it's really helpful to know i'm not in complete control of
0: of yeah yeah i mean it is you know (laughs) you're not you can only be obedient to what it is you know you need to do literally dude like my book that's coming out how to human the very first review i got of that book like the very first like official review was like two out of five stars like Mm -hmm. my first one my my marketing person sent it was from publishers weekly and and i was I, it, I felt exactly what you think I felt. I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, like, is this going to, and, <laughs> I, and I'm actually so glad that that was the first review that I got because it made me realize, especially when I read the review, I was like, this actually is, it feels like it's coming from somebody that's not ready to hear it. And mm-hmm. I know that there's going to be people that aren't ready yeah. to do this. And, and that's actually fine, you know? Yeah. Um, But uh, man, talk about, you know, having to do it, even though, you know, you're going to have some of that stuff happen. I think that's important.
1: Um, I, one of my books in, you know, in the Amazon, this was such a gift in the Amazon reviews adjacent to one another were two, one star reviews. Yeah. There you go. And it was one star reviews for the exact opposite reasons. Like maybe one could be true, but they couldn't both be true. Right. 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 And, and it was like one said it was way too Catholic. And one was like, I must hate Catholics. Ah. And, And of course, you know, it, it definitely wasn't way too Catholic and I definitely don't hate Catholics. And, you know, it it, it was just really, you know, it helped me, uh, reframe what I think about reviews.
0: Oh, that's good. Yeah. You know, I mean, it it is, um, I mean, that's the hardest part for me. And honestly, like, I don't read them a lot. I don't read reviews like, um, just for my, you know, like. I have very honest people in my life that will help me make the things that I make better. Mm-hmm. Um and you know and and so I I will, you know, um every once in a while read a bad review so that I I feel like there is truth that I can pull mm-hmm. out of of what that is. But again, the majority for all of us, the majority of people that read what we're going to read are are reading it because they they want our message and mm-hmm. you know, um yeah, we do, we can't put too much salt into yeah. it. So
1: And by the way, those, uh, the, the one-star reviews help me make sense. One-star reviews, but also help me know what to do with five-star reviews too.
0: Yeah. (laughs) no, It's exactly right, man. (laughs) You
1: can't take either of it all that seriously.
0: I love that, man. I love that. So good.
1: Um, okay. One of your refrains is I don't stand on issues. I walk with people.
0: Mm -hmm. Tell me more about that. Yeah. You know, as, as I, as I'm trying to walk this walk, I, um, You know, I I am, you know, I made it very clear in 2020 that that I was very passionate about certain issues. Mm -hmm. And that was the year that I realized I had really close friends of mine that were also very passionate about that issue, but were passionate the opposite way of how I was passionate. And suddenly I was, I had to, I had to uh, make a decision. Mm -hmm. Am I, am I going to walk with them or am I going to just make a point? Mm. And, um, that, that has become my, that's become the, my kind of phrase on how I live. Yeah. I learned, I learned it from a pastor of mine, pastor friend of mine, um, Mike, uh, Ashcroft in North Carolina. And he told me one day, he's like, Carlos, um, I know that you feel very strongly about that, but you, you can't stand on the issue. You have to walk with the people that the issue is affecting. And bro, did that not change the trajectory of my life? Because what that did was now it forced me into, Again, that we can go back to the binocular thing, mm-hmm. putting the binoculars down and getting close and walking with the people. Does that mean that I'm going to change my mind on the issue? No, but mm-hmm. it, it just means that I'm going to face them. And when you're that close, you can't help but develop empathy. And so I tell people all the time, people ask me, Carlos, where do you stand on this issue? I say, I don't stand on that issue. I, I walk with people. I don't stand <laughs> on issues. I walk with people and people hate it when they want to get an answer out of me. They hate it. But I'm like, I'm not going to give you my... you. you You just want to hear it for the sake of entertainment, but I, I, I'm going to, this issue is a person. So I'm going to walk with that person during 2020. And I was very passionate about, you know, the black male experience in America. Um, I, I have a very close friend of mine that is a SWAT team member in Los Angeles. And I, I remember the moment that we're FaceTiming each other. Um, having a hard conversation about some policing things and about some, his opinions on some things. When I felt the prompting in me to, to be like, you know what? I need to go on a ride along with him. Mm. So I, I bought a plane ticket and I flew to LA mm. and I went on a ride along. And can I tell you something? Um, There were some things that shifted inside of me because I love this man with everything inside of me and I want him alive and I want him protected. And so suddenly my opinion on some issues, they, it shifted some, but why did that happen? Because I I got up close and I walked with him, and I just think that it's important for people on any side of any issue to really walk with people because people are issues. Issues aren't people.
1: Yeah. Well, so you say you you walk with people instead of standing on issues. Have there been situations where you you've had to say you know what I'm I'm sorry I just can't walk with you.
0: Yeah. 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 So so there's you know um, obviously it's a it's a, a you can't encompass the entire of a statement um uh, in a statement right and so yeah. there there's there's people like here here's the deal i mean here's a great example i'm not tomorrow gonna go look up the local kkk rally here in uh in middle tennessee and go walking into that rally and be like hey guys i'm here to walk with you like yeah. like that that would be i'd be stupid so like, like we have to protect our mental health. We have to protect our spiritual health. We have to protect our physical health. There's some people that are just mean, flat out mean, and you can attempt. But if that attempt falls on flat ears, it's not for you. There, there's some people that you're just not going to be able to. So take it with a grain of salt. Uh, but just because there are people that you're not going to be able to walk with does not exclude you from having to find people that you can walk with and so um yeah there definitely are going to be people that you can't
1: yeah hey let me ask you about something you said this was you said it 15 20 minutes ago and i didn't have a chance to ask you then but i want to ask you now you use the phrase something about telling my truth yeah um can we let's talk about that a little bit right yeah because the things you've been describing, um, it sounds like you're telling the truth. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Not just sure. your truth, right? I mean, sure. Can, sure, w- sure, What's the relationship between my truth and the truth? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I think there, I think everything has um there 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 is truth in the world that that there anybody knows that one plus one equals two. That's true. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's just true. Um and then I have I have my truth on how and I think I was talking about it in the racism conversation with men that have called me the n-word. That that's true to me, right? Now, what's not true is that every old white southern man is a racist. Okay? So that's not true. But it became true in my head because of my bias. Um so that so what became true to me actually isn't true because James wasn't a racist and mm-hmm. and that wasn't true, but we all we, we have to know that people, um, okay, say so I mean listen, my how to human isn't all about racism, but this is this is a big part of my story. um so I'll you know, I'll, I'll let's talk about you know, racist people or people that at a KKK rally there there's a reason why they believe that, okay mm-hmm. there there has been something that has happened to them that has formed something that is true to them that may not be true of all people of a certain race, but maybe something has happened to them that is true to them. So they're walking in their truth, but they may be believing something that is untrue Mm -hmm. about, you know, so, you know, people all the time that have been affected by trauma that have been abused. um, I know people that have been abused by the church. Mm -hmm. And so they, their truth is that they've been abused by the church. So they view the entire entirety of the church as abusive. Um, I know that that's not true because I know uh, I know church leaders that aren't abusive, but that doesn't diminish their truth that they have mm-hmm. experienced that. What it, what it is not true is that the entirety of whatever it is they view is that way. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's, that's kind of how I I like to walk that. My truth, the truth thing yeah. is um, is there's always going to be something true for the person that believes what they believe. Right.
1: Yeah. I think it's helpful to, to think in terms of um, to, to, talk about subjective experience and to talk about the it yeah it, it's it's not to say that there's no ultimate truth there's no objective truth this right right the, it's not you either believe in objective truth or you believe in subjective truth it's like no wait yeah. we, we <laughs> there is there yeah. are things that are true you know uh, yeah what is real is that which remains true whether i believe it or not right
0: people would say that that it's true that carlos is a good person but the person that i wasn't a good person to that's not true so <laughs> so so you know like like the the human condition allows for this my truth thing to be a true thing you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
1: great all right uh, I want to ask you about about something the you say you sometimes go for a drive where you don't know where you are and you turn off the GPS <laughs> yes <laughs> why do you do that yeah. I think this I think this is a great thing for writers and people do creative work to do I yes suppose.
0: yes well here's the thing like in How to Human, um, you know, I really do, I, I talk about um, the, the human condition and it's divided into be human, C humans, free humans. The C, We've been talking about the C human part and the free human part, but the, excuse me, the be human part is really about like, we've lost, we, we've lost the humanity in us, man. Like, I mean, here, I, I mean, this is a great example. Like Like, when you came driving by my house, we both laughed that we're going to be doing a podcast- <laughs> and you were literally i don't know a couple hundred yards away from me yeah. and and we're having this human interaction on a screen right yeah, so right. like so so because things have become easier for us we've lost some of this human things and and one of the things that we've lost is getting lost like yeah. we don't get lost anymore and so i'd love to turn off my gps and um try to figure out where i'm going and guess what yeah. when i do that when when i don't have my directions on my iphone even if i just like I don't know if any your listeners old enough to remember like MapQuest that you would like print off of your printer and like, you're having to read it and you're like, okay, like, where am I? Um, there's something truly human about getting lost. And when you're lost, you notice things. Yep. When you're lost, you see things around you that you never would have seen when you're not looking at your phone and listening to Siri, telling you to turn left, you are noticing so much more. And I believe your creativity explodes as well. And so man i get lost all the time now uh just so that my mind can get sparked i can see new things i can wreck well i've never seen that tree there i mean the other day i turned my gps off um going somewhere and i i've been to this place numerous times before i was like i'm gonna try to go this way today and i ran across this tree it was the biggest tree i've ever seen in nashville tennessee uh and i got out of the car and i just sat under this tree and there was actually a plaque on the tree on how old the tree was and I never would have had this moment with this tree had I had my GPS on and just gone there. So I just think that we become more alive and more human when we get lost a little bit more.
1: Yeah, that's great. I I, I think that's a a great idea. Um, yeah. It's kind of like, you know, in the old days to go to the, find something in the library, you'd have to walk down the stacks and who knows what you yeah. see on your way. Totally. And now you just get the answer from from Google and there's no there's no side trips. Yep. Well, that's I guess true. there could be side trips on Google, but... Right. <laughs> the great thing about Google is that it's efficient. And the bad yeah. thing about Google is it's efficient. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Uh, all right. Last question. Um, who are the writers who make you want to
0: write, Carlos? Oh, yeah. I love that. Um, well, I'll just pull them out behind me right here. Oh, I hope I have it. Okay. So I am... If you read my books, they're memoir-esque. You know, like they're they're all stories in my life. Uh, Eddie Hillison was... Probably it she she was like the unknown Anne Frank. And okay. she's she's got these letters called Can you spell uh, that by the way, yes, Eddie? That, yep, E-T-T-Y. Hillisum, H I L L E S U M. And this last year, I have devoured. I I I can't even remember how I found her. Yeah. But I I have devoured her writings and her letters. Um, and she makes me literally, literally, I read this book and I was like, oh my gosh, I gotta go journal now. And because I she made me want to do that. So Eddie is one of them that does that. Um let me oh and here's another what one. era you said she's like is she, yeah, from so, anne so she era? yeah so she was she was actually um in Amsterdam during the Holocaust really? and yeah and so her letters she, she was a little older than anne Frank, so she's probably in her early 20s. Uh-huh. Um but gosh, she is uh her story is amazing. She, I've never heard of her. Oh my gosh, you you're going to devour her letters. I mean, okay. she she's got letters from when. Uh, her journal started before um, the occupation, uh-huh. and then she just writes letters and journals through the occupation while she's still free to walk the streets and go to the cafes mm-hmm. in Amsterdam, um, madly in love with people um, to her to the uh, occupation, to her going to concentration camp. Mm-hmm. The whole thing. It's actually wow. amazing. Um and then I I just got into a, a fiction writer G, Lisa Jewell. Okay. Um. And so she, it's a it, she's a it's just that typical thriller you know mm. writer that just kind of keeps you turning the pages. Yeah. Um. And I'm a I just I'm a big reader. Like I love to read like fiction and I love to read um thrillers and I lo- I love to read older historical um, you know, kind of memoirs as well. And so, yeah, they, they, they're two recently that make me want to write. Well, great. Well, thanks for telling me about those. I didn't know either of those writers. Perfect. Um, and,
1: uh, and let me reiterate something you mentioned before. Your book is not a book about race. It's, we right. ended up on that topic for, <laughs> yeah. for whatever reason. Um, well, cause we started with James, well, that well, us there. The, the, the James, James story, is part that you, of my story. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The James story is such a great story and that kind of headed us down the, the the path of 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 race, but yeah uh a lot of great I love your insights about race in there, but I love your insights about a lot of other things too. Yeah, so I just absolutely. wanted to mention that this
0: is not just Sure. You know, yeah, it, thank it's, you.
1: It's a, it's a more it, it covers a lot of a lot of human ex- well, it's how yes. a human, right? How a human, mean?
0: man. All of us yeah. need it. I think all of us need yeah. that recalibration.
1: Yeah, great. Well, thanks for being here, Carlos. I really appreciate it. Well,
0: uh, you know where I live now, Jonathan, so stop by my front porch for a cup of coffee sometime. (laughs) Sounds great. (laughs) All right.
1: This podcast is brought to you by The Rabbit Room, where art nourishes community and community nourishes art. And all our podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our members. To learn more about us, visit rabbitroom.com. And to become a member, rabbitroom.com slash donate.